Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. We and our guests discuss relationships and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. This is Jeff Bina, your host. I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Match, the only national personalized matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. I'm very excited to welcome dating detective Dan Crum to our show tonight. Dan works for the CIA as a polygraph examiner and special investigator and has a certificate of graduate study in forensic psychophysiological detection of deception. Dan is a speaker on the topic of relationships and deception. Appearing in front of many national organizations, including the American Polygraph Association. Tonight, we'll be discussing Dan's book, Is He Lying to You? Welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. As a professional matchmaker and dating coach, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships. I've thoroughly enjoyed reading your book and would love to explore some of the insights shared by you. So, Dan, what prompted you to write this book in the first place? That's a great question. It all started for me when I was doing consulting work. Um, People would bring me their friends and family and ask me to help them with different challenges. And then someone suggested I write a book and start formally teaching this stuff. So I adapted these proven strategies to everyday situations, and I teach it, I believe, using easy-to-understand terms and techniques that anybody can really use. So now I've been fortunate enough to teach thousands and thousands of people and I know that if you use the principles that I teach, that you will notice deception wherever you look. Excellent. Now, you explained in your book that there are two different types of lies that men tell, one type being um, deletion and the other being fallacy. Explain to our listeners the two types. Um, well, deletion is when you leave something out. So if I ask you what you did on Friday night, and you tell me what you did, um, but you, you, know, you really did five things and you tell me about four, have you lied? I would say yes, because most likely that fifth thing you left off, or, or okay. the term I use is deletion, leaving it out, um, you've okay. done that in a way to deceive the person, to, um, to lie to them. And usually it's because there's something you're hiding, and that's why you didn't want to talk about that fifth thing. And then fallacy is you know, is what it sounds like. It's like it's a statement somebody says true or false. So a fallacy is when somebody tells you something that's absolutely false. It is a lie when they give you the answer. Uh, so like an outright lie. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now you also lay out the following four reasons why men deceive in the first place. And 
you know, why don't I do this? I'll just name the four, and then I'm going to ask you to explain and give examples of each one. Um, so the first reason you lay out is um, preservation. The second reason, being courteous. Um, the third be, uh, being privacy. Or, or, and the second being courtesy, I think. Uh, the third being privacy. And the fourth being deception. But can you explain each of the four and give, give our, um, this is an example of each one so they understand. Um. Absolutely, I can do that. Um, preservation, I, I know everyone's heard, there's a lot of these terms are psychological terms. Um, so it's really the preservation of, you know, a lot of times it's of yourself. Um, it's the preservation of um, your persona, your self-esteem, what people think of you. So um, an example might be that um, somebody knows you as a very successful business person. And so a reason you might lie would be to preserve the notion, the belief that you still are a successful business person, even though you may have been laid off from your job like many people have. So somebody asks you a question about your job, and instead of saying, I was laid off because that's embarrassing to you and you need to preserve that you know, belief that you're still successful and you don't feel that way, you might lie and talk about how great your job's going and everything is, you know, doing well for yourself. Um, and then there's the second one is courtesy. Um, so when somebody lies out of courtesy, it's actually to protect usually your feelings. So um, you might ask if, you know, you like something and, you know, do you like this dress I'm wearing? Do you, what do you think of my new haircut? And literally, to be courteous to you, they're going to tell you, oh, it looks great, I love it, when in fact, that's not really the way they feel. So they're literally lying to be courteous to you. Um, the third reason, privacy, uh, is what it sounds like. It's when um, somebody has a, a reason to believe that certain things in their life are meant to remain private, so they don't want to share them with you know, even sometimes people who are close to them, people they're in relationships with. So... Um, instead of just coming out and telling you, hey, listen, that's none of your business, that's private, they're going to lie to you. They're going to you know, either leave information out, deletion, or they're going to give you an outright false statement, fallacy, and they're going to do that in such a way to essentially keep themselves, um, you know, keep per certain aspects of their life private to you. And then there's um, you know, deception, and I, I write in the book, it's deception plain and simple. It's when um, you're lying literally not for any I say justifiable or reason you can identify is literally lying, plain and simple. Um, so it's when, you know, maybe they have a habit of lying. Maybe they're a compulsive liar. Maybe um, this is a topic that, you know, they just are used to not giving a true statement. So it's that's the last one. It's just deception, plain and simple, straight out. Okay. Um, and again, this book is very interesting. You advise readers not to look for truthful behavior. So. I mean, again, not to look for truthful behavior. So what do you mean by that, Dan? Well, when somebody looks for truthful behavior, they're going to find it, and here's why. Um, truthful behavior is one of the easiest things to fake. Um, I think if you were to ask people what does truthful behavior look like, you're going to get many more accurate answers than you're going to get if you ask somebody what does lying look like. Um, so if you ask somebody what does truthful behavior look like, they're going to say, you know, somebody looks me straight in the eye. Um, they're going to tell you stuff like um, they seem pretty calm when they gave their answer. Um, they didn't, you know, jitter around, move their body, et cetera. Um, so people can, people can 
give the impression of truthfulness, whether they're being truthful or not. So if you spend time looking for truthful behavior, you're going to find it. So therefore, um, don't look for that because you're most likely you're going to be deceived. What you really want to do, for, do, and what I talk about, the reason I wrote this book and what I talk about in the book, is really about looking for deceptive behavior. Because I almost say like what you look for, you're going to find. If you want to believe someone, then keep doing what you're doing. Look, look to believe them. Look for the truthful behavior. You're going to see it because even liars will show you truthful behavior because not everything they say is a lie. But if you want to find out if someone's lying to you, which happens actually, you know, actually very often, then you need to be looking for it. You need to know what to look for, and that's a lot of what it talks about in my book. Interesting. Now, you make one very, very compelling uh, point in your book, and I find it particularly compelling um, given what I do from day to day, and, um, and that is that you advise readers to address their, what you call their bias focus and take off their dating blinders. Um, so just share with our listeners what you mean by that. Um, I be- nobody likes to say, and this is, this is the naughty word. The naughty word is someone to say, like, you're prejudiced. So a softer word to that is to say you're biased. And everybody should admit that they have biases. And biases are, are as simple from, um, you know, looking at a person in the round glasses like Harry Potter and saying that person might be a nerd. Um, it might be looking at, you know, the person who wears a vest and thinking, oh, maybe they're a professor, they're a librarian, you know. Um, we just tend to put people in a box. We tend to um, make immediate judgments based on our previous experiences. And I call those dating blinders because they're re- it's really not giving a person a fair chance. It's immediately labeling them based on your previous experiences. So for the women out there, you meet a guy and, you know, he has tattoos on his arms and you say, uh, this is a wild man. This guy, you know, maybe he's a biker, maybe he's, you know, whatever, in a gang. Uh, you, you, you literally, if you've had experiences of people like that in the past, you almost, you know, place those same thought processes, those same labels as biases on that new person. And therefore, with a bias, you are putting them in a box where you're going to see and kind of prove your point of what you're looking for. So if you want to see them as a nerd, you're going to look for ways that they're a nerd and you're going to prove yourself right. If you want to see they're a bad boy, you're going to look for ways they might be a bad boy and you're going to prove yourself right. Um, This entire book and everything that I teach, my number one principle is about fairness. And um, when I say fairness, I want to bring this back to the basic level is that I did not write this book so you can ruin relationships that are going well that you're in. You're in. Meaning, I believe that if somebody has earned your trust, that you know you've been dating them for a while, you're married to them, whatever the case may be, and they have proven to be a trustworthy person, that you should continue to trust them, and you shouldn't be on a witch hunt looking for deceptive behavior. But if there is a situation um, where you start to have concerns, you start to have doubt, you start to have this feeling something's not right that's when you need to use these skills. That's when you need to use what I teach and look for deceptive behavior. And I have a strategy I'm sure you're going to ask me about. It's called Get Real. And it teaches you how to overcome this bias that we all have, this belief. Because I mean, it goes even to the root of you're in a relationship and your bias might be um, that I can trust my husband because, you know, he's never lied to me. That's good and stick with that until there's that concern, that doubt, 
that uneasy feeling, and then go into it without saying, I'm going to look for truthful behavior because I can trust him. Go into it looking for deceptive behavior because that's what you're trying to find at that point. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm happy you set the context um, in that way, in that backdrop. Um, now, your book guides readers to find what you call their window of focus. And I know your book goes into great detail, so we're just trying to do a bit of a sampling um, just to give readers some some insights so they can, you know, pick up your book and, and learn more. So, um, so do share with us so what you mean by window of focus. Tell us about that. Okay. People have this belief that once you learn these strategies, these skills, that you will walk around and be a human lie detector. And people have all seen the movies Meet the Parents and things like that where, you know, a guy who has my background, a guy who's former CIA um, and, you know, I have a background in polygraph, so I've just, you know, given all these lie detector tests and done all these investigations and interviewed all of these people that I must, people always say, oh, it must be very difficult to be married to you or it must be difficult to be your children because you can't get away with anything. And while I wish it was that powerful of a thing that you could just literally walk around and be a human lie detector, it doesn't really work that way. Um, and it doesn't work that way because that would be a very difficult life to live, um, meaning always kind of like having it turned on. This is a skill set that you need to choose when to turn it on um, and when it's appropriate to use it. And it should be reserved for situations that, going back to what I said previous question, where you have some concerns, you have some doubts, you have some uneasy feelings, and you say to yourself, I need to get to the bottom of this. I need to figure out if this, you know, what the real truth is behind what I'm concerned about, what's really going on. And so to do that effectively, you need to choose, I'd say, when to turn it on, and that would be called your window of focus. That's where now I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you're in a relationship with a, a new guy, and you've you know gone on four or five dates with him. Uh, you know You talk on the phone, and it's weird. You always notice that Friday nights he's never available. He doesn't talk to you on the phone on Friday nights, and he doesn't ever go on dates or arrange them for you on Friday nights or hang out with you. And you start to think, this is really peculiar because most people I know you know, are available on Friday nights with a normal, you know, Monday through Friday job, and he's never talked about it. I wonder what's going on. So you have this feeling, and now you want to dig deeper and find out what the issue is. So what I recommend is that you come up with relevant or focused questions to, you know, get to the bottom of this or find out what's really going on behind it. And so your questions might be as simple as, you know, what do you do on Friday nights? And when you ask this question, what you're going to do is you're going to now focus your attention to on his answer. And there's a specific period of time. This is where you identify deceptive behavior. You identify deceptive behavior in a specific window of focus after you ask a question. So you ask this man, what do you do on Friday nights? And he takes in the question. He acknowledges it. He, he understands it, what you just asked him. And now he has... I'd say a window of up to about five seconds. People have varying ranges what they think is appropriate here. I'd say like up to about five seconds where you're going to now look for deceptive behavior. This is things he does with his body. And you're going to listen for deceptive behavior, things he does with his voice. And it's only relevant within that small window of focus what this person does because outside of that, there could be a number of things that could impact what they do with their body and what they do with their voice 
that, you know, you might look back at my book and say, oh, that was deceptive behavior. And it may have been, but it wasn't necessarily deceptive behavior related to the question that you just asked. And what you're trying to determine is, were they deceptive? Were they lying to you on the question you asked them? Because that's, what, that's where it really matters. All these other things don't really matter except for what you're trying to get to the bottom, what you're trying to figure out, what you're trying to determine is truthful behavior. Okay. Um, I think that's very interesting. You know, like I said, the timing is very, very important. You can't kind of just take, um, take things from the book and kind of just uh, attempt to apply them or just notice things. Um, you, you have to pay attention to the sequence of events and the, the interaction and the timing of everything. Um, now, your book identifies the two biggest signs of deception. And I guess that's within the context you set up. But the two biggest signs of deception, tell us about that. Okay. Um, the two biggest signs of deception are what I call sleep points and guilt twists. And let me explain. I think you're really going to love these, by the way. Um, the first is sleep points. And to kind of break this down, all deceptive behavior, you've already heard me talk about it, goes down to what we do with our bodies and what we do with our voices. So with sleep points, we're talking about what somebody does with their body. And a sleep point, it's sleep like you're sleeping, S-L-E-E-P. A sleep point is any part of your body that is at rest when a question is asked. So if you're sitting with your legs crossed, your sleep points would be the one foot on the ground you know, your butt and back on the chair, um, your leg might be resting on the other leg as your legs are crossed, your hands are wherever they're resting. And what you're going to be looking for is, again, going back, when you ask the question to this man, so we'll go to this example we just gave, what do you do on Friday nights? What you want to look for are if any of those parts of his body that are at rest, his sleep points, suddenly wake up within that window of focus. So, you say, what do you do on Friday nights? And let's ignore what his actual verbal answer is. But if you were just looking at his body within this five-second window and you notice these legs that were crossed suddenly become uncrossed or his back, which was leaning against the back of the chair, comes off the back and leans forward or his arms, which might have been on the armrest, suddenly become lively and start to gesture. Um, these, this awakening of sleep points, this movement's, of the body, these parts of the body that were rest that suddenly wake up, and they wake up because of your question, this is your body's automatic way of responding to a stressful situation. And why would a question be stressful to you unless you were, your answer was deceptive, you were lying to it, and you have that innate fear of being caught in your lie? It goes back to the you know, primal instincts that a gazelle is sitting by a stream drinking water and the lion approaches and it's that whole fight, flight, or freeze where it feels the stress, oh, no, I might get caught by this lion. And it has to make a determination of what it does. So the way we all deal with stress is different. Sometimes we freeze up. Sometimes we, you know, we run. Um, sometimes we're going to fight. But in humans... Uh, it's usually one of those two is actually you either the way you release the stress is by moving parts of your body that were at rest so these sleep points suddenly wake up or in the reverse a little more advanced would be you actually create a new sleep point um, and this goes back to a strategy we have to talk about it's called your win or what is normal behavior but it's where 
in normal ways that you answer questions, you always gesture with your hands. Let's say your right hand, your predominantly gesturing hand, and suddenly okay. you ask, what do you do on Friday nights? And that hand suddenly goes to sleep. That hand, which always gestures, boom, you know, freezes and goes down onto the armrest when you give the answer. So we're just like animals in that sense. When we tell a lie and we fear detection, we, we literally release the stress over that feeling by either freezing up or fighting or fleeing, whatever one you want to call it. And usually this involves these sleep points waking up or a new sleep, sleep point being created more advanced. Um, and th- that is one of the biggest and it pretty much encompasses most of what is nonverbal or physiological deceptive behavior. Um, the other big sign of deception is what I call a guilt twist. And as a generalization, women are more likely to be affected by a guilt twist, and guys are more likely to use them. So here's an example. Let's say um, a woman asks a man if he's ever had a one-night stand, and the guy responds, I can't believe you asked me that. Do you really think I'm that kind of guy? I mean, how long have we known each other? Now, the woman actually feels guilty for even asking the question, uh-huh. and the guy didn't even answer it. And I think, as you as you will see, a guilt twist works extremely well for a deceptive person because what happens is when when you ask somebody a question and they they almost they literally make you feel guilty for asking it. They don't really give you an answer. You're less likely to broach that subject in the future. You're more likely to say, whoa, they're very sensitive to that. I clearly offended them, and that's not a, you know, a road I want to go down again. So yeah, you never really that. got your answer, but they were effectively deceptive for you. And again, going back, this is called a guilt twist. I'll give you kind of one more example. Um, let's say um, you go back to that example, of what do you do on Friday night? The man's response is very simple. He could say, what are you, my mother? Are you my secretary? Do I have to literally, like, you know, give you my whole entire schedule? You have to keep my calendar for me? Now, that's a, you know, a very um, defensive type answer, but it's a perfect example of a guilt twist because think about it. Did he say what he does on Friday nights? No, he didn't answer your question. And guilt twists almost always include a non-answer, a missing answer, I call it. And um, so he doesn't answer your question. He makes you feel guilty for asking him the question. And literally, the reason it's called a guilt twist is because he twists the focus from himself, the person being asked, back to you, the questioner. And, and it's so effective because, again, as a generalization, women will feel the guilt, and they don't want to go down that road again. They never got the answer they really wanted. Uh, so, so it means almost to just close down the communication about that particular topic. Um, thing. Okay. So sleep points and guilt twists. Now, your book, now those are um, nonverbal, so those are nonverbal um, signs of deception. Your book identifies a full 14 types of verbal deception. Um, you know, can you share with our readers a couple of them, uh, just a few of the 14 types that, um, that you find they may be most interested in or might be most common or just any of the verbal deception you're talking about? Yeah, verbal deception. Okay. We're talking about well, the nonverbal. We mentioned the oh. We mentioned the guilt twist and I actually mentioned another one as well, um, which I said was called the missing answer. So one of the most common things that people don't often notice um, is that somebody will give you a verbal answer to your question, but the answer they give you doesn't actually include an answer to your real question. It's usually just you know, something unrelated. So you say, what do you do on Friday nights? And you start talking about, like I said, in that guilt twist, 
he says a bunch of things, but none of them include what he does on Friday night. So when you look at it, a, a big verbal deceptive um, behavior is when there's no – they don't really answer your question in giving you a response or reply. Um, another one I'll give you quickly is called it, – it's just what people know to be it's an excuse. It, it's um, – you, know, you hear them all the time. Men are really good at using excuses. And um, it can be something like, you know, did you – you know, what did you do to that woman? And uh, he's like, I'm a doctor. You know, my job is to help people, not hurt them. And he's literally like throwing out an excuse why he wouldn't hurt someone, but not that he didn't hurt the person. Um, and you'll hear that all the time. They're usually, again, most of them, and actually in my book I talk about the missing answer is number one, because most of um, the time when you hear a verbal deceptive behavior, it doesn't directly answer the question that you ask. It usually some way talks around it. An excuse is a perfect example of talking kind of around the answer. Um, a delay is another one. It's where somebody uh, might repeat your question. Um, so you ask them and they're going to say back what you just asked them. You know, have you ever had a one-night stand? Have I ever had a one-night stand? It's like it's a difficult thing for them to get or for really to understand. Um, you'll see people act like they can't hear you. You might be in a restaurant. Um, that that might be a way to delay. They might act like they get a phone call. Um, and then, you know, one of the big ones I already talked about, the guilt twist, you'll, you'll see many examples of that. And then there are there are varying examples in the book. But I'll, I'll share those for now. And then, you know, I highly encourage all of you to go out and check out the book, and I think you'll really love it. After there's several types of verbal and several types of nonverbal deception that you, that you lay out um, within the book. And... Um, Mentioned, and you had, um, you had mentioned the term getting real, and I think this, this is, that is so fundamental to, um, you know, the learnings in your book. Um, just spent, you know, a couple moments sharing, sharing with our listeners, you know, wh- where that fits in to this whole, um, you know. Uh, get real, part. I have an entire chapter dedicated to it, and, and when I say this as an acronym, get is just get, but uh, real is actually spelled differently. It's R-E-E-L-L, and it stands for reset your eyes and ears and look and listen. And I'm saying get real because it's easy to understand. It goes back to what you hear a lot of people say. Somebody tells you something, you're thinking, yeah, right, get real. Like That doesn't even make sense. But this goes back to, um, again, one of the primary reasons I did this, which is to be fair to people, um, to get to the bottom of some feeling or intuition that you have when something's not right, but to do it in a manner that's fair, to not go in with those biases, to not go in with, um, you know, as a witch hunt, believing somebody's guilty before they're guilty or they're a liar before they're a liar or they're trustworthy before they're trustworthy. But it's to go in and see everybody, like, with a clean slate. Like, this is a person you just met or are meeting for the first time. And when you meet them, you ignore the physical. So you ignore those, you know, tattoos. You ignore the glasses. And you don't make judgments based on your biases. And go back to what it stands for. It stands for reset your eyes and ears, look and listen from a fresh perspective. And it's it's something I want people to, or I encourage them to say to themselves internally. It's to walk in and say, I'm going to be fair. It's just say to yourself, get real, get real, and, you know, and know what it means. Reset my eyes and ears, look and listen. So, you know, you give that person a fair chance. You, you're hearing things in a way that you're not trying to, you know, prove your your bias correctly. You're seeing things in a way not to prove your bias correctly. Um, you're not on this witch hunt trying to find them guilty or prove their innocence, but you're you're seeing it with these um, 
eyes and in listening with these ears that allows people a fair chance to prove whether there's someone who you can trust or someone who you find deceptive. And I want to I want to give what I think is probably the most common question that I get and people okay. will say to me this is this is really good stuff. I love, you know, the principles you teach in this book, mm-hmm. but it seems like our communication nowadays is um, you know, very digital. It's one of these things where like you and I we're on the phone together or you know, we we might be texting back and forth, or you're on chatting, or you're on email. It's just this digital communication that we all have. And then people say, how do I apply what I learned in this book to the digital age um, in those situations? So instead of giving a short answer, or, you know, when I published this book, instead of trying to throw in just like an extra bonus chapter to address it, I actually wrote a separate book, a follow-up to this one, and it's called The Faceless Liar. And the subtitle is, Is He Lying To You on the Phone, Email, Text, or Chat? And for all of your listeners, I will allow them to get a free copy of The Faceless Liar. I've included it as an ebook, so you can download it and get it for free if you go to lyingbook.com. It's L-Y-I-N-G book.com. Go to lyingbook.com and click on Buy Now to order Is He Lying To You, the book we're talking about today, uh, you can buy the book at a special price for $14.99, and um, when you order it, you can get an immediate download of "Is He Lying to You?" as the excuse me as the faceless liar for the ebook. So that book uh, ebook sells for $14.99. People buy it every day, but if you order from is he, from lyingbook.com, "Is He Lying to You?" you get essentially both books for the price of one, or 50% off both. So go to Wonder. go to lyingbook.com, click on Buy Now, order "Is He Lying to You?" and get the faceless liar for free. Excellent. Um, now, is there any last thought or take-home message you'd like to leave our listeners with? That was a great one, but is there any, um, possibly any other that you may um, want to just leave our listeners with? Absolutely. Um, there's a concept we didn't talk about. It's called WIN, and it's another acronym. It means what is normal. And if you want to have an immediate takeaway to know if somebody's lying to you, this is it. Here's what you do. Think about WIN, what is normal, and in every interaction, every situation you go into, spend a little bit of time. It could be two, three minutes. Ask normal, easy, non-threatening questions. And get to determine for yourself what is normal behavior for this person you're in a conversation with. Look at what they do with their bodies, how they gesture, how they sit, etc. Listen to what they do, the way they answer questions. They always say, you know what I mean, or generally, or something. You know, people have ways of speaking. They have ways of moving that are common. There's, it's what is normal behavior in answering questions for that person. Now, if you use the same acronym, WIN, W-I-N, but you, you just turn is into isn't, and you ask yourself, what isn't normal when I ask these relevant, important questions that are related to the thing I'm trying to determine? So now you ask, you know, what do you do on Friday nights? And all you think about is, I know what they normally do when they answer. Now I'm going to look for what, they, what isn't normal behavior. Again, go back. It, it kind of encompasses everything that I teach. So now when you – they always gestured and now they don't, that isn't normal for the way they answer. Or you see them uncross their legs and they normally have them crossed, that isn't normal. Or you hear them give a, you know, a missing answer and they usually are very direct and give you direct answers. Or they delay and act like they can't hear you now or before they could hear you. So that's the easiest takeaway is it encompasses everything. Is remember to win what is normal. And then once you figure that out, look for what isn't normal and oftentimes it reveals deception in the person you're talking to. What is normal? Excellent. 
I'd like to thank Dan Crum for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And uh, once again, if you'd like to learn about the insights Dan's been sharing with us today, his book is entitled, Is He Lying to You? And he mentioned um, a generous offer. Of, is it The Faceless Liar? Is that the e-book that you had mentioned? Yes, the e-book is The Faceless Liar, and the they're both Facebook. available at lyingbook.com. Lyingbook.com. All right, and in case you joined us late, I would like to share the show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. I can be reached at justine at intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us. Do email me with topics you'd like discussed in future shows, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Thanks a lot. Good night, everyone.